Well, we, we are into week three of our, our series um, that we've been looking at um, over, over the last, well, we will be looking at over the next, um, this week and then next week, and it's called Greater. And for those of you that have been here, you've maybe got a little flavor of it, but for those of that, you that haven't been here, um, I believe there's real value in, in just recapping and, and, and understanding a little bit where we've come from. You see, for us at church, at, at Arena, aspiration is something that we we value greatly. And you may say, well, what exactly is aspiration? Well, the dictionary definition is a hope of achieving something. A hope of achieving something. It's something that we at Arena believe in. We believe that God has something greater for us. We believe that through Him we can achieve amazing things. Amen? You with me? You see, we've had the, the word great probably banded around uh, a lot recently, you know, make Britain great again. And uh, if you're into American politics, we've heard about putting uh, make sorry, it's putting the putting great back into Britain. I've got that the wrong way way around. It's putting great back into Britain. I'm getting America and the U.S. Con- U.S. and Britain confused here. And obviously, in America, we've heard make America great again through Donald Trump. And and so it's it's bandied around. But you know, it's more than just a slogan. Greater is more than just a slogan. It's something that's actually based on the Word of God. And, and our strapline or our, our scripture really that focuses this series is, is found in John fourteen twelve, And it says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. You see, it's not that we will be greater than Jesus. It's not that we, we will uh, be more than him, but we can achieve great things with him. We can achieve great things with God who, who now lives within us. If you're a Christian today, the Holy Spirit is in you, and therefore we can be confident that we can achieve great things through him. And so we, we've been looking uh, in the first few weeks uh, on, on a few different things. First week was, was running after the call of God. So we believe each one of us individually have a calling. Do we agree? Each of us have a calling. God has placed a purpose in our lives. And therefore, it's important that we run after the call of God, that we say, yes, God, I'm ready to follow. Sometimes that's giving things up. And sometimes it's moving into new things for God. So we talked about that in week one. And then last week, Christian shared fantastically just about the importance of starting small. Because we, we, can, we can drum it up and we can say we're going to achieve greater things for God. But the reality is we need to start somewhere. And often that's in a, in a small place, isn't it? And we looked at the, the account of, of the widow who, who just had a little bit of oil to start with. And, and Elisha actually said to her, what do you have in your house? She said, I've only got a little oil. He said, that's good enough. We can start there. Even if you've only got a little, that's enough to start. And so it was really inspiring last week. But there's, there's another aspect of this that we want to look at this week. Because, um, yes, we can be excited. Yes, we, we believe we can achieve greater things. But so often in life, there's hardship too. There's hardship, there's hurt, there's loss, and so much more. In fact, you may be sitting out there and saying, Stephen, um, my experience contradicts everything you've been saying so far. God wants us to live a greater life, but my experience is different from that. I've had heartache. I've had hardship. I've had so many things happen in my life that it's difficult for me to aspire or have that aspiration 
that God's going to do greater things. Maybe you say, just don't get my hopes up. I don't want to get my hopes up. I'm just comfortable where I am. And that's something we hear a lot, I suppose. Maybe, in fact, maybe if you're a, a Stags fan, yeah, Paul's here, any other Stags fans? You're just at that point. Look, I just don't want to get my hopes up anymore. <laughs> Every time I get my hopes up and it's a, a promotion push, it looks like it's happening and then it's just shattered like it was yesterday. I'm sorry uh, about that. Just don't get my hopes up. I just don't want to be let down again. But the reality is that the, the path to greater, greater things for God, it's really the path of least resistance. It's really, really a path that doesn't have some type of re- resistance. In fact, could I say this, that if it's too easy, it's probably a con. If you hear preachers preaching that the, that the, the life of a Christian, the life to greater is, is so easy that nothing's going to come against you, it's a con. Have you ever clicked on the internet? It appears on my phone sometimes when I'm on the internet on my phone. And it's these things, these adverts. And they come up and it's like John in Mansfield. He's earning 10,000 pounds a month working two hours a day from home on his computer. You know, if it's too easy, it's probably a con. Don't click, please. The reality is that we are going to have things happening in our lives that, 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 that come up against us, that things are difficult. We're not immune as Christians to hardship, struggles, and even failure. Even when we're following the path that God has for us, sometimes we're walking and our faith is increasing, but our circumstances are getting more difficult as we go. You see, suffering, trouble, hardship, whatever you want to call it, it's not a detour on the road to greater It's actually a landmark. I'll say that again. It's not a detour on the road to greater. It's actually a landmark. You may feel I'm going through hardship right now. I was going on so fine and it was like I was getting somewhere and then something broke into my life and now I'm just discouraged. I can't go on. It's not a detour. It's a landmark. And God can use these things to actually build our faith, to actually make us stronger, to achieve greater things. And so... We're going to be looking this morning at, at um, some, some more accounts from the life of Elisha as we have been and will be doing next week. And I want to draw your attention to uh, a lady this morning um, who Elisha met, and she was from the town of Shunem. And this lady was a very wealthy lady, very influential. Um, she built up a friendship with Elisha. And uh, initially it was just meals when he came to town. And then eventually she said to her husband, she said, why don't we build a house on the roof um, or a room on the roof of our house where Elisha can stay whenever he's in town? And so she did this. And um, so every time Elisha was in town, he would stay there. And he had a place where he could, he could just um, relax and enjoy. And so Elisha being very grateful for the hospitality that was shown, he wanted to bless her in return. And uh, he, he approached her and he said, look, how can I bless you? She said, I've got everything I need. I don't need everything, anything else. I am happy and contented. And so finally, Elisha just insisted and he spoke to his servant Gehazi at the time and, and, and asked, how can we bless her? And so his servant mentioned, well, I've, I've got away because she's got no son. She's longed for a son. She has no son and her husband is old. And so Elisha called her, and we'll pick up the story in in 2 Kings chapter 4, and we read in verse 15. And it says this, Then Elisha said, Call her. So he called her, and she stood in the doorway. 
About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servants. But the woman became pregnant, and the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. She, she, she had everything, but she didn't have a son. Her response tells a story, doesn't it? Don't mislead me. As if she had been let down many times. As if it was a desire that God had placed in her heart, but it had just been frustrated for so long. Much suffering, much disappointment and pain. But often, in a similar way, our response can be the same, can't it? When God comes to us and says, I have greater things for you. When God comes to us as a church, but also as individuals and says, I've got greater things than you said, just don't mislead me, Lord. Don't even go there, God. I've been let down too many times. I'm too raw, God. I don't believe that there is greater things for me. Just me, Stephen. And so often our response can be the same. Don't even give me hope, only for it to be dashed again. But God did give her a son, and, and she could finally hold her head up high and, and, and have this, this son who was such a pride and joy to her. And we read on later that one day when he was older, he went out with his father to the fields. And, and, and as he was out in the fields with his father, he complained that his head was hurting. And, and so his father sent one of his servants, carried him back to his mum. And it says this, it says, his mum held her on her, on, on her lap, held him on her lap, until about noontime when he died. Dreams, hope shattered. Again, what a tragic story. I mean, as a parent, I imagine the anguish of this, this, this woman when has her son died in her arms. You see, death is part of life, but not this way, not a, a child before the mother. It just, it's a tragic story. It's heartache. But we can learn from her response. In fact, we should learn from her response. And despite the fact that she, she had these doubts, despite that she just didn't want to get her hopes up, this, this woman of Shunem actually is a wonderful example to us that we can learn from. And her, her response was strange. Basically, she took up the boy. There was no mourning. There was no crying at the time. In fact, in the tradition, um, they would usually bury the, the, the body within 24 hours in the Hebrew tradition. But she didn't do that. She just took the body and she, she placed it up on Elijah's bed, Elisha's bed because he wasn't there. And... She asked her husband to send, send a servant and, and said, we're going to find Elisha. In fact, she didn't even tell her husband what had happened. When he asked, why are you going to see Elisha? She said, everything's fine. And so she approached Elisha. He saw her coming and he sent his servant Gehazi out and, and to inquire what was the problem, what's going on. And again, she said, no, everything's fine. Didn't tell anything to Gehazi. But then we pick it up in verse 27 when she arrived, finally she arrived at Elisha. And listen what happened. She said this. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She's in bitter distress. But the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. And then she spoke and she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? She said, didn't I tell you, don't raise my hopes. Don't raise my hopes. I don't want to be all negative here, 
But I think in every one of our lives, we've come to that point of despair where we just think, don't even raise my hopes. Only to have them shattered again. You can probably fill that in. Don't, don't raise my hopes for... Maybe it's a wife or a husband or maybe it's hopes of, 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 of a dream job. Maybe it's hopes of actually doing something significant for God, of, of doing great things for God. Whatever it is, we can come to that point where we are totally lacking aspiration because we're just downtrodden by the circumstances of life. You all okay? I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. You see, if we're linked into God, there are things placed in our heart. There's aspirations placed in our heart that He wants to use. Can I just, Christian said it last week, can I just say there's aspirations which are selfish aspirations which are are not really linked into God and then there's aspirations of what God has gifted us and, and purposed us to do and despite the discouragements of life, we need to continue to have the aspirations of everything that He's placed in our lives. How do we do that? How do we do that in the midst of despair? Well, despite her complaints, the Shunammite woman did some amazing things. And, and the first thing that I want to focus in on today is, is that she, she, she sought God. The first thing we need to do is to seek God. What is her response? Well, she seeks God and not man. I love the fact that she didn't even... She didn't even tell her husband, did she? Aren't husbands meant to be like the best listeners in times of trouble? Yeah, amen, amen, ladies? No? I'm sure Alini, the foot, no. She doesn't even tell her husband. When Gehazi asked her, she doesn't even tell Gehazi, but she goes straight to Elisha. Can I just clarify, Elisha is really the representative of God in this situation. It's Old Testament. Now, we can go directly to God. In those days, they went through a priest or they went through a prophet. So in her seeking out Elisha, it's not seeking out Elisha, it's seeking out the God behind Elisha. And so today, we don't have to seek out our pastor or a prophet or whoever. We can go directly to God and we can seek Him. But she was seeking God. She had faith in God. She knew where her source of help was. Where do we turn in our times of trouble? That'll probably show where our faith is. Where do we turn in our times of trouble? I love the fact that she was so open and honest with Elisha, pouring out her heart as as we should be encouraged to pour out to God. Even in the hard times, we can be honest with God. But we come to God for for our comfort, not to man. And she persists. And if we read later on in the story, Elisha sends Gehazi ahead to put his staff on the boy uh, to see if he'll, he'll, he'll come alive with just the staff. And she says this. She says, no, Elisha, I'm not going with him. I'm not going unless you go with me. And it's really a type of Christ where when we're going through hard times, we have to say, God, I'm not going if it's not with your presence. Because it's the presence of God. It's seeking God that is going to make the difference in our hard times. It sounds easy. 
But oftentimes, when we're going through the hard times is when we turn our back on God. I'm sure we've all got stories of, of, of things happening and we're blaming God because how could God allow this to happen? Easy response for the Shunammite woman, wasn't it? But she does the opposite. She says, no, in the times of trouble, I'm going to seek God because he is in control. And, and John 16, verse 33, it's not going to come up on the screen. It says this, these things have I spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. You will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You see, the, the, the road to greater. It, it would be wrong of me to preach a series on greater and just say, God has amazing things for us. It's going to be smooth sailing. We're going to achieve it. We're going to be at 250 people by the end of the year. And nothing is going to be against us because, because God is with us. And it's true. But things come against us personally and as a church. The road to greater, we can't talk about it unless we are ready and prepared to say hard things will happen. But we're prepared. What do we do when the hard times come? We seek God first of all. But there's another thing that I wanted to, to talk about. Is Secondly, is submitting to God. You see, in times of suffering or hardship, it can often be God teaching us through the process of hardship. Often the lessons we need to learn are most effectively learned in the times of hardship. It's when we're forced to rely on Him. We can often, I mean, we can even ask in this story of the Shunammite woman, why did it happen? Well, I don't really know. But He was clearly doing something. He was clearly teaching something to her through this situation. and There's another story which we're not going to go into in detail in 2 Kings chapter 5. So the very next chapter after this story. And it's about a guy called Naaman. And you may know the story. Basically, Naaman was successful. He was rich. He was powerful. Um, but he was also sick. And he had leprosy, which was, which was an embarrassment, really, for him. And, um, and, and so he... He knew to seek God, and he came looking for Elisha because he knew that, that the, the solution was found in, in God. And, and so as he sought Elisha, he had to also learn about submitting to God. You see, because he was asked to do something, to dip himself in the Jordan, which, which he didn't want to do. He was asked to do something that humiliated him, that, he, that was against what he believed. But he did it. After a journey towards it, he eventually submitted to God. He humbled himself and he got his answer from God. See, if Naaman hadn't submitted to God, he probably would have still stayed in that same place for a lot longer. Can I ask, is God, if you're going through a hard time, ask God, are you trying to teach me something? What are you trying to teach me, God? And submit to him and, and submit to the process. But the, the third thing I want to say today is this, is, is stand firm. Stand firm. Matthew 24, 9 through 13 says this. Talking about you know, what's going to happen in the future. Then you'll be handed over to the persecuted and put to death. You'll be hated by all the nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. 
Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many, most, will grow cold. But it says this, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. You've heard it coming through and it's, it's not a fun message to preach. But hard times will happen. Hard times come, but those who stand firm to the end will be saved. The Shunammite woman miraculously got her son brought back to life. And the end of the story um, tells us that Naaman was healed from his leprosy. They came through these seasons of difficulty. You see, God is still a God of miracles today. Amen? Do we believe that? God is still a God of miracles. He's not changed. But we've also lived long enough to know that it's not everyone who dies that is brought back to life. That sometimes heartache has to be worked through. But there's a promise that in the end there will be a reward for those who stand firm. You see, if you know Jesus as your Lord, you have a place waiting for you in heaven, a reward waiting for you in heaven. You're going to reap the rewards of the things that you've done here on earth, the things that you've done to serve him. A place where there's no more heartache, no more tears, no more suffering. A place that is stored up for us. You may have have given up already. Maybe you've had hard times and you've just said, that's me, I've given up. Well, there's also good news in that there's always a second chance as well. Yeah? Yeah? There's always a second chance. You see, it doesn't have to be a detour. It can be a landmark on the road to greater things. If you have taken a detour, you can come back on to the road of the calling that God has for your life. Yes, every single one of you, that God has something individual for your life. And if we respond to these times of suffering, these times of difficulty, in a way like the Shunammite woman did, I believe that God can bring us through to greater things, even through the hard times. I'm just, just about to conclude uh, just now, and, and we're going to just bring this to, 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 to a close. But I want to just tell you just a quick story as we do that. You see, as I was preparing for this, I felt just very strongly that there's people in here that have abandoned what God has placed on their lives, the callings that, that he's given you. And you've, just, you've had some rough times and you've just pushed it aside. You, you've left it. Maybe you've even left God. And I remember hearing a story um, up in Scotland when we were still living there, and it was a, an Elam preacher who was telling a story about a church um, just outside of Glasgow. And um, this preacher had had been pastor there for many years, and then he'd left, and he was, had been invited back to, to preach as kind of a guest speaker uh, in this church. And, and he was preaching, um, you know, on, don't know what the, the gist of the sermon was, but the important thing is, he, he said this, and he said this, where did you leave God? Because where you left him is where you'll find him. And he said, as he said that, there was a man who he, he recognized from the time he was pastor who got up and left the building. And he was a bit, you know, did I say something as you do when you see somebody leaving? Oof, what did I say? Um, and so he forgot about it. And then after the service, he noticed the man was back. And he, he came and he approached the pastor. 
Um, and he said, you know, good to see you. What, what's happening? Um, what happened there? You walked out. You know, did I, did I say something? And he said, yes, you said that. You said, where you left God, you'll find him. He says, you don't know my story, but shortly after you left as pastor, I was going to, to school to, to, to pick up my son from school. And he said, as I was walking along the road, was on the other side of the road, and my son kind of came out. And this was some years back. It wouldn't happen now. But my, my son came out of the school and, and started running. He ran across the road, and a car just smacked him. Bang. That was it. Dead. And he said, I, I gave up on God that day. I left him. He said, I've not been into this church since then. I've not been to any church since then. But I heard you were speaking, and, 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 and I decided to come back. And he said, when you said those words, where you left God, you'll find him. He said, I walked out the back of that church. I walked to that school pavement. He said, and I just cried tears there. He said, I left God there because of those hard times that happened. Because of, I mean, how, how do you deal with that? Boggles my mind. But he said, you know what? I, I, I went to that place, and I said, God, I left you here, but I want, I want you back again, God. I don't want to give up. I don't want that to sidetrack me, God. The pain is there. We don't deny it. But God, I, I want more of you. I want you back. And he said that changed that man's life around forever. And, and you know what? God was good to his word. Where he left him, he found him. See, God doesn't abandon us. We may walk away from him, but God doesn't abandon us. And and I feel so strongly today that there's some of us in, in whatever capacity, maybe you've totally left God because it's just the heartache. Or, or maybe it's the heartache of your calling. It's the price that you have to pay for what God has called you to do. And, and you've given it up. God says, you'll find me where you left me. Pick it up again. God's not forgotten about you. You see, hard times can, can derail us or hard times can make us stronger, can make us more determined. We can learn through them that these can be landmarks on the road to greater things for God. Can I ask you just to, can we stand to our feet? And I'm going to ask,